morning, everybody. Hey, guys. Man, Summer and I miss you guys. Uh, we have been gone like for the last month. Some of you are like, you're here for like, you've been like new and you're like, who are you? Uh, we've been gone on a sabbatical for a few weeks. Good to be back home. Um, but today, here's why I'm glad to be back home because today we are kicking off what I would just call a five week journey into living a life of purpose. How many of you get excited whenever we talk about purpose and calling and gifts? Yeah, man, like, hey, listen, if you're like Scott in the video that we just watched um, and you've recently been let go, then you're in the right place. You're, you're in the right place. If you've ever felt like God put a dream on the inside of you that you didn't know how to accomplish, you're in the right place. If you've ever just sensed that nudging that, it, that you need to step out of the boat, you're in the right place. If you've ever just felt like you were made for something more, you're in the right place place today. In fact, Mark Twain says it like this. The two most important dates in your life are the day that you were born and the day you find out why. And that's really what living a life on purpose is all about, is about discovering what you were made to do and then pouring your whole life in that direction. In fact, let's just kind of dive right into it. Here's what purpose is. Let's define it real quick. The reason for which something exists, why you were given life. Come on, when you look at a hammer, you know what it was made to do. Right When you look at a car, you know what it was made to do. But when you look at people, what were they made to do? In fact, I found this. A recent CDC study actually found that only one out of every three people have a clear reason for waking up in the morning. That means most people, including probably a lot of people in this family today and a lot of people online, you really don't have your why. Like, why do I exist? Why am I breathing? What am I supposed to do with my life? And the worst feeling in the world, I've been there before, the worst feeling in the world is that you're wasting your life, right? Uh, Pastor Miles Monroe, he, sa he said this, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without reason. It is dangerous to be alive and not know why you were given life. So over the next few weeks, here's really what we're endeavoring to do. We are endeavoring to open up the compass and to find our, our, our purpose of true north and then to begin walking in that direction. That's what I'm praying by God's help that we'll be able to do is actually begin discovering the purpose, our why, what we were made for, to begin putting one foot in front of the other and then prayerfully to begin gaining momentum in that direction to eventually to where we can start running and the direction of purpose into this fulfilling, God-exalting, God-honoring life that he's called us to. Why? Because I've said this before, and I still believe this, you were made for something great. I believe that, man. You may not believe it, but I believe it for you. You were made in the image of God. God has put his gifts, his talents, his abilities on the inside of you. And that greatness, God's greatness in you is crying out to be emancipated. It's crying out to be released into the world around you for God's glory and for your good. And here's the, here's the idea, guys. Maybe you're newer with us. God has called us, this house, we, to be a people of 100,000 people in our victory gatherings and 900,000 people 
people in our victory related and sponsored uh, and supported gatherings, really to, to be able to impact a million people for the glory of God. But I know I can't do that by myself and you can't do that by yourself. But together, we are well able to accomplish everything that God has called us to do. Come on, Jesus. Right? But here's what it's going to take. It's going to take us actually beginning to walk in the true north of our purpose. So here's what I want to do. I want to, uh, today, I want to kind of lay out the foundation for what's going to carry us through for the next few weeks. All right. So uh, when, when Summer and I were out, uh, we suffered for Jesus for a little bit down in Florida. Somebody's got to do it, guys. Somebody's got to support the local economy. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so we went down there, and uh, one of the days, kind of left the kids behind. We're like, ah, you're old enough. You're fine. You'll, you'll, you'll manage. There's enough food around. Um, and Summer and I took a walk for a little bit, and we walked down the beach. And maybe I've just never spent this much time at the beach before, but right along the shoreline where the waves are coming in, there were these little birds. They look like baby birds, but they were like full-grown birds. They're like this big, right? And they, they looked like they didn't want to get their feet wet. Right? So every time the, 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 the tide came in, they were like, ooh, right? And then when it came out, they were like, ooh, and they were looking around. And we, we watched this for probably like 30 minutes when we walked down. It was the funniest thing. And then we turned around and we started walking back, you know, to, to where the kids were. And we, I kind of had like a different perspective on the angle of the water. And what I noticed was as the water came back out, it kind of took that like little centimeter thick top layer of sand off, you know what I'm talking about? And what it did, it exposed these hundreds of little crabs, like this little, little crab, right? And, and what they were doing, as soon as the water pulled the sand back and exposed them, they were frantically, they were like, ah, and they were digging beneath the sand because the birds were coming out to get them. That's what it was. And so wave comes in, birds run away, wave goes out, the birds come in, and the crabs are like, ah, a million times a day. That's literally was the whole thing that they did with their life. And I started thinking about it like this, the job of this crab, the, the, the life of this crab is to survive, find food, and reproduce enough babies to make sure the species survives, right? And that's it, man. Like, that's it. No crab is like pondering the existential realities of the universe. No crab is, is thinking about how to make life better for his children's children. No crab is communing and fellowship with his creator, right? No crab is thinking about how do I live on purpose, right? No, eat, make babies, survive. That's it. It was this, I just call it a cyclical survival mentality. And I just watched it like for 30 minutes plus. Ah, ah, ah. That's all they were doing their whole life. And I sat there and I thought about it afterwards. Summer was like, what are you thinking about? And I just sat there thinking, I was like, how many people live exactly the same way? How many of us live on the hamster wheel of just doing the same thing over and over and over, just trying to get by? How many of us are living in this survival mentality of just trying to pay the bills, just trying to get by another day, and we forget this reality, guys, that God did not just call us to survive. Jesus came to empower us to, to thrive. 
not to survive, but to thrive. Jesus came so that we could have life and life more abundantly in whatever situation that we find ourselves in. Listen, you weren't made to live in the cycle. You weren't created to go to a good college so you could marry a good spouse and have a good career and have good kids so that they could go to a good college and marry a good spouse, go and get a good job and have good kids so that they could go to a good college and they can make... Until Jesus comes back. You just live and just keep burying beneath the sand. Just keep burying beneath the sand. Jesus didn't go to the cross so we could live the American dream with everybody else, guys. And maybe today we need to be reminded that you were made for more. Come on, everybody say more. more. Say, it to, say it like you mean it. I was made for more. Come on. And here's, here, here's what I've realized is that if we don't live with purpose... We'll copy everybody else and we'll just drift, right? How many of you know, if you ever tried to go hiking, right? Just like free hiking, you know, and you end up going in circles. You end up like going crazy because you don't have a compass. You don't have a direction that you're going in. And that's what our lives can be like. How many of you know, it's possible to burn a whole lot of candles on your birthday cake, but not really live very much life. Cause you're going in circles, man, cycles. I'm just doing what everybody else does. I'm just living the American dream. Got the, got the cushy retirement account, the vacation home over here, but it's all empty. It's empty. If we, just, if, if, if we don't live with purpose, we'll drift, man. We'll, we'll, we'll go to the, the college that we get accepted in. We'll marry whoever asks or whoever says yes. Uh, we'll take the job that offers the most money. We'll live wherever it's the nicest. Come on, we'll go to church wherever they offend us the least. And then we'll end up reproducing children who selfishly do the same thing. And Pastor Andy Stanley, local pastor, he said that everybody ends up somewhere in life. Very few end up there on purpose. Right? You know that, right? You can just sit down and you're going to end up somewhere in life. Everybody ends up somewhere in life, but very few end up there on purpose. And that's the path that I was on. I don't know about you, that's the path I was on. Um, you, know, you know the people who like when they're little kids know what they wanna do when they grow up? Don't we all hate those? No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, you talk to the kids and they're like, I wanna be an engineer and I wanna be a scientist. I wanna be a mathematician and I wanna be a missionary. I wanna be this, I wanna be that. I had none of that. Like, I had no aspirations. Uh, I didn't want to be a millionaire. Like, I didn't want to impact nations. Um, and I definitely did not want to be a pastor. <laughs> be careful what you ask God to, to never do with your life, because that's probably what he's going to do with your life. Um, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 14. Um, I, didn't, I, I didn't have language for it, but I, I just knew this. I knew that... At that time, after giving my life to Jesus, that my life wasn't my own anymore. So I, I, there was accountability. So I, I had to kind of be conscientious about what I did with my life, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I thought about sports, but um, my dream of playing uh, baseball in college kind of got ruined because I got injured in high school. I did some acting, but I knew that that world would like swallow me alive. And so I said no to that. And so I just kind of like graduated high school clueless. Right. And so everybody else was going to college. So I was like, I guess we're just supposed to go to college. And so I sent out three applications, didn't pray about it. I was like, ah, oh, go to three, you know, let's, let's send it out. And, um, the one that I really wanted to go to, we were living in North Carolina, uh, UNC Chapel Hill, which was the easiest of the three to get into. 
um, I got denied to, which in hindsight is 100% God because I was 100% just following my friends there. Like, there was no leading. It was like, all right, what's easiest? Where do I know people? I'll go there. And here's what I can guarantee you. If I went there, I would not be here. So how many of you, sometimes you need to thank God for closed doors, right? So God denied at Chapel Hill. God accepted at Wake Forest, which is way harder to get into, uh, but it was too expensive. And so then I got accepted at UGA and made the best decision of my life, came down to Georgia, go dogs, glory, hallelujah, amen, national championship. So started going, yeah, so started going to UGA and had, still had no clue what I was gonna do and just taking classes and about a year and a half in, uh, the, the guidance counselor was like, hey, We'll take your money for as long as you want to do this. But if you actually ever want to graduate, you need to declare a major. And so I was like, all right, what's, what's my favorite class so far? That's literally what I thought. What's my favorite class so far? Geography. So your pastor has a geography degree from the University of Georgia with a specialty in map making. That's why I did cartography. And God bless you if you do that. Like I did it, like I did it. I got, I got, it's on my wall at home. Like I got the degree and uh, did city planning for a little bit, did some satellite imagery stuff for a little bit and really landed over in Cobb County doing crime mapping for local police departments. That's what I was doing for a little while. And in the midst of that, Summer and I got married in 2001, and we jumped, we were already here at Victory since like 98, 99, and we jumped into, immediately after we got married, we jumped into a fusion young adult married small group. That's what we did. We jumped right in. Uh, and man, I was living the life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had already reached the top at 22. I was working my nine to five. I was married. I had a condo. <laughs> went to church on Sunday, went to Fusion on Wednesdays, went to small group on Fridays. And I was like, this is, this is literally as good as it gets. I remember thinking that, man, like that, that was the, that was bueno. Like that was the, the ultimate exclamation point. That was the aspiration of my life was to be a good Christian and tithe. That was it. And, and I remember thinking like, you know, God gave a bunch of gifts to everybody else. Unfortunately, he didn't give any to me. Like, I don't know if you've ever been there before. That was what I thought. Like, I, I, I was a little disappointed. I was like, well, you know, maybe just rain out, you know, like the barrel, he opened it up. And, uh, but I remember thinking like my job, my purpose is to work a job and to tithe. So the real ministers can do the ministry. And so we can keep the lights on. That's what I remember, like my whole life was about that. That's just what I thought I was called to do. But then the darndest thing happened. They asked us to help lead the small group. And I remember, like I still remember this, like we were in the living room and I remember like looking around like, you ever like been somewhere and somebody's waving and you're like, hey, and they're waving to the person behind you. I was just, <laughs> like, you are talking to us, right? Like there are people way more qualified for this than we are, but it seemed like they needed some help. So we said, yes. And then six months later, we were leading the small group. 
And in the midst of that, we started noticing some things that we were kind of good at. Like we were kind of good at at creating community, helping people get together. We were kind of good at um, taking some of the complicated things of God and kind of making them simple and proclaiming God's word. And what happened was we began awakening to this reality that maybe you had a purpose bigger than working just a job for the sole purpose to make some money so other people could do ministry. Maybe we were actually included in that as well in some way. Even in the midst of that, um, I started being evangelistic at my work, which was crazy because I'm just a good Presbyterian boy. Like we do that in, on Sunday mornings from, from 11 to 11.55. So we meet the Baptist to lunch. Like that's where we do that stuff. And, and it, 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 my face started spilling out into my work. And then I, about a year after that, we were actually running all of the fusion married small groups. And then in the midst of that, they asked me to preach. And I was like, well, okay, guys, guys, I, I was gracious enough to say yes to that, but preach like that's the last thing I ever want to do. But they, you know, they need some help. So I said, yes. And it was in a nursing home anyways. So like, it's like, it's a captive audience. Um, and if they shout me down, people, people won't believe them anyway. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, I can say it was great. And then I'm asked to preach a fusion another time or two. And this whole time I'm working my nine to five, just, just, just kind of living the dream, man. And then one week when I was preaching at fusion, I remember we were actually in the space and I looked out and pastor Dennis was sitting back there and I'm like, why is he here? Really nervous that he's here sitting there. And I'll tell more of the story in the weeks to come, but what that led to October, 2005, summer and I came on staff as the fusion young adult pastors here at victory. And, you know, it's funny because uh, a lot of guys say that they'll never be like their dad, right? I'm never going to be like my dad. My, my dad went to Georgia, got a geography degree, and became a pastor. And I went to Georgia, got a geography degree. <laughs> not on purpose. I was not trying. I couldn't help it. Sorry, Jeremiah, you have to do it. That's what you have to do. My son's down here. That's what he has to do. Just wait about 20 years. He's going to be up here. Um, Five years into being on staff, um, God God transitioned us and we launched out to start Victory Hamilton Mill. And we did that for 10 years faithfully. And it's hard to believe because it's COVID time. Uh, But this next week will be two years since Pastor Dennis and Colleen gave Summer and I the torch of being senior pastors here at Victory. But all it's been has been one long journey of putting one foot in front of the other to go true north into the purposes of God on our life, falling down, brushing ourselves off, learning the lessons, getting back up and continuing to put one foot in front of the other. Listen, if God had told me then where I'm in now, like I never would have done it. I would have tried to go to UNC Chapel Hill to get out of all this mess. But God was faithful to lead us as we put one foot in front of the other to step into the purposes of God on our life. And let me just say it like this, because it needs to be said, our goal was not to end up on a church staff. <laughs> That's not your goal, guys. That's, it's not what you think it is. All the staff says amen. Um, in fact, here's what I love. Here's what I love, and transparency here. In this season, I love this. We actually have people stepping off staff 
to continue pursuing the purpose of God on their life outside of being on a church staff, right? Because it can take all shapes and forms, God's purposes. And along this journey, here's what, I've lo- here's what I've learned. I've realized that there are five levels that we can live life on. Here's the first one. Here's the first level of life, doing what you hate. Anybody ever been there before? Somebody there right now? Like, I'm just, man, I hate it, right? Like, I hate what I'm doing. And then maybe we're able to move past there to the second place, which is doing what you do. Hey, man, what do you do? Just do what I do. (laughs) Not excited about it, maybe pays the bills, right? Like, my whole college career was doing what I do. Just, I don't know why I'm here. I'm just kind of doing it. Then the third level is this, doing what you love. And here's the deal. Most of the world think that, thinks that that's the highest level of life you could ever live on. In fact, um, here's what it's kind of characterized by. I saw an interview with Richard Branson, one of the billionaires, right? And he said, true success is measured by how happy you are. And that's where most people live for. What makes me happy? If I can be happy and make some money, that's the best place of life, not even knowing that there are two levels higher than this. Level four is this, doing what God loves. I hadn't even thought about that, right? But here's what I've also come to realize is that there are some things that God loves to do that I don't love, right? It's okay, because there's enough of us. Somebody likes it, but I don't. It's okay to say that, right? Because the fifth level, the highest level of life is doing what God loves to do that you love too. Guys, that is the sweet spot of life. That's what I want for you. That's what we want for you. That is what my prayer is for you, is that we would able, every single one of us, would be able to arrive at this place of doing what God loves to do that you love to. And I know this, listen, I know this just by sheer quantity today. Most of you don't even think that's possible. You're like, that's impossible, man, because you haven't seen this and my degree in this and my lack of degree in that, got laid off from this and my family situation that. We got a thousand reasons why we can never actually step into the purposes of God on our life. But I'm here today to tell you, I am one of the many living proofs, the living evidence that it's possible to do what God loves to do that you love to. And here's the thought, guys. Doing what God loves to do that you love to is infinitely better than doing what you love to do. Because it's bigger, it's better. Why? Because God is bigger and better and because his thoughts are bigger and better and his ways are bigger and better and his plans are bigger and better and doing what God loves to do that you love too is infinitely more fulfilling than just simply doing what you love and storing up for a nest egg and having the vacation home over there. Listen, doing what God loves to do that you love too, it might not bring the same amount of money. It may not bring the same amount of fame, right? But it is infinitely more satisfying, infinitely more fulfilling. There's no better place to be than right in the center of God's purpose in your life. And I've thought about this before. I actually thought about it again this last week, that that even if somebody offered me a trillion dollars, I wouldn't stop what I'm doing right now. Because there's nothing better than doing what God loves to do that you love to, following that true north and walking in the purpose of God on your life. There's nothing better than that. So I know you're probably asking it, how do we begin walking in it? How do we begin walking in the purpose of God on our life? Let me give you a few thoughts here. And this may be found in kind of like an unconventional spot. God's had me in Psalm 8 recently. Let's just kind of open that up. Psalm 8, if you, if you have a Bible, it's like in the middle. That's where Psalms are. Go to Proverbs, gone too far. You're in Job, go a little bit further. Psalm 8, here it is. Lord, 
our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I love that. God's people said amen. amen. Yeah. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? In light of God, who are we? You have made them a little lower than the angels. The author of Hebrews cites this and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swims the path of the season. It closes the same way it began. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 8 begins and ends the same way. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And right in the middle of those two declarations are people. Sandwiched between the glory of God are people. So how do we begin walking in purpose? Here's the first thought. We have to understand that God is who this whole story is about. Come on, somebody. It's not Johnson O. Johnson. How majestic is your name in all the earth? It's not Becky, oh, Becky, Paula, oh, Paula, Melissa, oh, Melissa. How majestic? No, in, in fact, in the Hebrew, Yahweh, our Yahweh. I love that. It's saying it's our God. We're proclaiming out how good our God is, how glorious our God is. Yahweh, our Yahweh, how majestic is your name in all the earth? It begins and it ends with that, and the middle is us. And here's what David, the author of the psalm, is actually trying to say. He's, like, he's saying, if you ever want to understand who you are, you first have to understand who God is. And if we can stand back and we can lift up our eyes off of ourselves and up on the goodness of God and say, God, this whole story from beginning to end is about you and your glory. What it does, it reminds us that this whole thing is not about me and my glory. This whole story is about his glory. And what we have to do, we have to pick up our eyes off of ourselves and our little worries and our trying to dig underneath the sand to hide ourselves again and stay alive and self-preserve a little bit more and save up a little bit more in this account and do a little bit more selfish stuff over here and a little bit of sin over there. We have to pick up our eyes and say, Yahweh, our Yahweh, how majestic is your name and all the earth. Believe me, guys, take me to the bank on this one. If you want to live fulfilled and satisfied, point your life, put the weight of your life into the glory of God. And then you'll start noticing your heart coming fully alive. So how do we begin to walk in purpose? We have to understand that God is who this whole story is about. Here's the second thing. We have to understand that God created me on purpose. We find that here. In fact, let's just kind of personalize this. God created me on purpose. Let's say this together. God created me, God created me. On, purpose. on purpose. One more time. God created me, God created me. on purpose. Let's look at verse four and five in there again. Here's in Psalm 8. What is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower. You have made them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. 
Let me, let, me, let me ask you the question. It's not a trick question. Who made you? Who made us? In the back, who made us? Okay, 9 a.m. didn't get it. They were like, I don't know, it's a trick question. I, I've been, I get asked sometimes in services and I, I shout it out, but I'm wrong. No. Easy question. Who made us? One more time. Listen, we live in a world where many people don't believe that. And so we don't treat life like it's valuable. But sometimes we need to be in God's house and be reminded who actually made us. Psalm 139, for you form my inward parts. God, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Guys, I'm here today to remind you that you are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You're not an oops baby, right? Your parents may have told you you're an accident. You're not an accident. You were purposefully made by a purposeful creator. You were fearfully and wonderfully made by the hands of the one who sculpted the mountains. He formed you in your mother's womb. He crowned you with glory and honor. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you were chosen by God to be alive right now. You are not an accident. Your life is not just a happenstance. You are not a product of evolutionary development. You are handcrafted by the creator God. So today, listen, so I need to say this. I rebuke the spirit of depression off of your life telling you that you don't matter. I rebuke the spirit of suicide off of your life, that lying spirit that says that this world would be better if you weren't in it. No, listen, you are purposed. You were dreamed of in the mind of God before even one day was created. You matter to God and you matter to us. And I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here, man. I'm glad you're part of this church family today. You are welcome here. Why? Because you were created on purpose. Say, I was created on purpose. So we have to remember that God is who this whole story is about. We have to understand that God created me on purpose. And the third thing is this. We have to understand that God created me for a purpose. For a purpose. Let's actually just say that. God created me for a purpose. I remember years ago, years, years, years ago, but this is how vivid it was. I still remember it. Jeremiah and Isaac um, were up in Jeremiah's room and I walked in and they had like the entire room was covered in Legos, right? Just as like little boys, they they were playing with the Legos and like literally everything. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? And to my shock and awe, they had an answer. And they start laying it out, like describing the whole thing. Here's what this guy does, and here's what that guy does. Here's why that guy's over there, and he's fighting that, and the ship's over here is doing this, and the house is doing that, and that's why the thing's doing the thing. And I, I kind of sat back. Everything and every person had a purpose. Why, 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 why? Because as creators, listen, they had the end in mind from the beginning, and therefore, they positioned and created all these things and all these people before, in their mind, before they even began putting it together so that everybody, as they did their part, would fulfill the intended purpose. And it made me think, guys, if there really is a personal creator God who created all this, then before even one day was lived, 
He had in mind what every single one of you would do to fulfill the end goal of the purpose of God. Listen, no angel has ever gone up to God and be like, hey, why'd you create her? And he's like, no, no. That's bored. <laughs> you know, I just needed some more crabs to dig underneath the sand, you know. No, God made you for a purpose. In fact, here's how he'd say it. I love this. Ephesians 1.11. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and in everyone. But what Paul's really trying to say here is this, guys, is before you even thought about God, God was watching you. God had dreams for you. God had plans for you. Right? And the way that we ultimately fulfill our purpose and step into our purpose is first stepping into Christ. Here's, in fact, here's how I say it. I want to put it up here. Is that you are born on purpose and you're born again for a purpose. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for, what we were made for. You have been made on purpose for a purpose. Come on, one more time. Let's personalize it. I was made on purpose for a purpose. And what were you made for? You were made for glorious living. So what is this glorious living, right? That when we come to faith in Christ, our whole life gets reoriented. Our whole life gets bigger because now my purpose is not attached to my own glory. My, my purpose is attached to Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, the one from Alpha to Omega, from Genesis to Revelation and everywhere between. This whole story is about his glory. And so now I've been made new. So now I get to have intimacy with Jesus. I get to have my heart come alive. I get to love God and make him known. I, I, I get to know him and make him known. I get to, I get to share what I've received to, to my family, to my workplace, to my neighbors. I get to be a disciple who makes disciples. I get to be uh, an everyday missionary of love and grace and truth and peace everywhere that I go. So how do I boil all that down into one statement on purpose? I believe that some people already did it. And it was at the Westminster Catechism. And I know that some of you are like, I did not expect to hear that today. Here's the Westminster Catechism. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The chief end of mankind is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The chief purpose of humanity is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Why were you made? to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Why do you get out of bed in the morning? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Why was the person next to you made? In fact, turn, turn to the person next to you. Tell them, you were made to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's it. So what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Let's put it up here. You, my purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Man, I was made on purpose for a purpose. What's my purpose? So the fact that it, this whole story is about his glory. My purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's it. And yes, you have a specific way of doing that. 
And that's called your calling. And let me give you the definition of that real quick. What's our calling? My calling is to use my gifts, my talents, my abilities, and the places God leads me from work to church to relationships to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Your calling is how you utilize the unique you, everything that God made you to be. Your calling is how you utilize you to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And we're going to get into more of that over the next few weeks, because here's the thought, guys. God might be calling you to glorify God and enjoy him forever in the realm of government. Come on, we need some more Christians in government, right? God may be calling you to glorify God and enjoy him forever as a lawyer, God may be calling you to glorify God and enjoy him forever as a stay-at-home mom. God may be calling you to glorify God and enjoy him forever as a full-time author or work your nine-to-five and do some art on the side. God may be calling you to glorify God and enjoy him forever as a geography majored map maker. (laughs) Do it, man, for the glory of God. Serve in the church, whatever that is. My calling is to utilize everything that God has put in my life to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And on our journey of following the compass to glorify God and enjoy him forever, he may call you. Your calling may take different shapes and different forms in different seasons. Why? Because purpose isn't married to a position. So a lot of people get this mixed up. So when you get fired, you think, oh, my life's over. No, your purpose is not married to a position. Your purpose isn't married to a title or to a job. Your purpose is bigger than your job. That's why you can lose your job, but your purpose remains the same, right? Because my purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, no matter what I'm doing, right? So I, 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 honestly, I thought back in the day, I thought Summer and I would be the fusion pastors here forever. I thought we'd be like 90 years old, but like, young adults, uh, you know, whippersnappers. Like, I thought that's what we would do. Um, but <laughs> that was my dream, man. That's what I thought we would do. Until one night I had a dream and I woke up and immediately I was like, well, guess we're not supposed to do that anymore, right? My calling had changed, but the purpose was the same to glorify God and enjoy him forever wherever God had placed us. You have the same purpose, no matter you, whether you have a job or you don't have a job, whether you're happily employed or unhappily employed, you have the same purpose to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And when I was younger, I didn't have the language for it, but what I simply wanted to do, I, I wanted to point my life into something bigger than me. I wanted, I wanted to give my life to the glory of God, I, if I could say it like that. So what I wanted to do, I, I just started saying yes to things that smelled like they were in that direction. And then God started steering me along the way. And so what, one of the stops, one of our callings was to work a nine to five job and be small group leaders. That was awesome. No, listen, that was, you're like, oh no, but you're the pastor. No, 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 no. Listen, I was on level five, man. Like working a nine to five and it was, it was decent. It was all right. And leading a small group, I was doing what God loved to do that I love too. In fact, there's part of me that I could have stayed there forever. But in the walk of wanting to stay in God's purpose, the calling shifted and it shifted to fusion, being young adult pastors. And then the calling shifted to being campus pastors. And then the calling shifted to being senior pastors. It was different callings, but it was all the same purpose to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Every step we took that God led us was deeper and deeper and deeper into his purpose, different callings. But at every season of the way, it was possible to live on level five of of doing what God loves to do that we love to. And honestly, each season was better than the last. I know it doesn't always work like that, but it was for us. 
So today, here's what I want us to do. I want us to pause on this great reality because this is good news, okay? Right now, I can tell every single one of us what your purpose is. What's your purpose? It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So you can stop freaking out. Some of you are like, oh, I don't know, I'm 19. I should have it all figured out by now. The sky's falling, I'm not married yet. It's gonna be all right. It's gonna be okay. You don't have to have it all figured out. Why? Because your real purpose in life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in. There's a way to do that wherever you are. Is there more to it? Yes. And that's why we're still going to have church next week. <laughs> in fact, over the next few weeks, we're going to do like gifts assessments. We're going to talk more about calling. We're going to talk about employment. We're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about all those things, right? Serving and, and, and everything beyond that. But here's where we're landing, okay? Let's say this together one more time. God created me on purpose for a purpose. It is my prayer for you today that those dreams would start to wake up again. Come on, listen, some of you, you think you messed up too much. You think you're too old. Like I, I got the calling then, I denied it, I, mo I moved on, I ignored it. Listen, if there is still breath in your lungs, you still have purpose. I promise you that. There's some old people up in the Bible, old people. So if you're 20, you still got purpose. 30, 40, 50, still got purpose. 60, 70, 80, yep. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you still have purpose on your life. God created me on purpose for a purpose. And what is our purpose? One more time, let's say it together. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever and ever and ever. Take one step in that direction. Start watching your heart come fully alive. Hey, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, I believe this. I believe this. I believe this with every fiber of my being. God, that there is purpose for every single one of us to walk in. God, it doesn't matter how many failures and mistakes lie in our past. God, it doesn't matter how many candles are on our birthday cake. We still have purpose in our bones because we are handcrafted by the creator God, and you made us on purpose for a purpose. And here's what I'm asking, Father, is that you would help our hearts begin to hope again, begin to dream again, that nobody's too far gone. Listen, some of you, some of you um, even right now, I feel this. There's a struggle inside your soul that you, you, you would actually probably be able to say, I believe God's leading me in this direction. But the problem is you've spent your whole career in a different direction. And now you're starting to calculate the cost of what it would take to actually step out of what you've been doing to step into the purpose of God, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I'm praying right now that the Lord would give you strength and strategy in the days to come. I'm praying that he would give you patience and insight on how to follow the leading of the Lord. I'm praying he would give you wisdom and discernment and understanding on how to put one foot in front of the other because life and life more abundantly 
is possible in Jesus Christ. I'm praying even right now upon our hearts. You may even wanna ask this to God today and over the next few days before we meet again, that God would begin revealing, not his purpose, because we know his purposes, but his callings on your life. Ask God to begin revealing some of those gifts. Maybe you're one of those people who feel like, hey, God gave a gift to everybody else, but he didn't didn't give one to me. God, reveal those gifts that you placed inside of us that are unique, that are wonderful. But here's what I know. Like uh, Like we read a few minutes ago, that it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. And here's the promise I wanna make you guys is that if you're looking for real purpose outside of Jesus, you will never find it. You'll never find it because it's in Christ, it's in Jesus that we find out who we are and what we're made for. And so the invitation of God is here today for this, man. (laughs) It's a good invitation. It's a good savior. And Jesus Christ invites you into a life of purpose, something bigger, again, than the retirement accounts and the cars and all these sorts of things that are so shallow, so empty, and will, will burn up in eternity. He's calling you into a life of fulfillment, satisfaction, and joy and peace. It's only found in him. Here's what it looks like though, is that we have to turn and we have to leave all of our shallow dreams and all the things that we just kind of concocted for ourselves to grab a hold of the plans of God for our life. And so today, listen, if if today God is calling you and you wanna respond to the invitation to say yes to Jesus, I just wanna ask you to lift up your hand. Say, yeah, today, today, I I gotta step into something bigger than myself. That's awesome, guys, that's fantastic. Love it, you can put your hands down. Hey, let's pray together, let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, you are the Son of God who died for my sin and you rose again. You're alive and because of Jesus, I can be free and forgiven and walk in a life of purpose. So right now, I repent of my sin, my brokenness, my little kingdom, my little dreams, I turn from those things and I grab a hold of Jesus. I want to be found in Jesus. Today I put my faith in Jesus. Wash me clean, make me new, bring me out of the darkness into the light. I want the rest of my life to glorify God and enjoy you forever. All praise the Father in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate everybody who just said yes to Jesus today. Hey, we're gonna take like two minutes. Okay, let's do this. Let's stand up to our feet because sometimes in a message like this, it kind of rocks us because some of you are in transitionary moments or maybe God put a light on over your head in a certain area and we don't wanna just kind of rush out. So we're gonna take like two minutes here and the worship team's gonna lead us in a moment. And here's what I ask. I just ask you to kind of say law. That's that that's word in the Psalms, which means think on that. Let's just kind of allow God to, to, to speak to us about what's been spoken. Allow him to steer our hearts. Maybe he's calling us. Maybe he's reaffirming purpose. Maybe he's just reaffirming the fact that he loves you so much. Let's just receive from him over the next few minutes before we leave.